Hello everyone, and welcome back to Bebop Banter, the internet's premier anime podcast. My name is Wes, and I'm joined by a couple real cool kids, a couple real cool friends, Demetrius, Moody Blues, and Saeed. Appa, yip, yip. Appa, yip, yip. We're about to hop on Appa and ride into a great podcast for everybody here. Oh yeah. And in a way, we're throwing it back, because for our longtime listeners, even though we haven't hit the good old double digits yet, you might remember that a while ago we did... A podcast called Bob Culture that actually was pretty well received, where we talked about movies, video games, TV shows we were all interested in. And while we were trying to plan out what podcast we want, because trust us, we got a lot of cool things in the pipeline with a lot of real cool people, we decided, hey, why not give Bob Culture, why not revisit Bob Culture, give it another shot. So that's what we're going to do today. But do not worry, because I know that we've had kind of a drought of anime content in the past so we're gonna whet the appetite a bit before we head into the bop culture by talking about a few anime things that you know that we've been around and i think the first thing we're going to say is saeed what number otakon did we just attend this was our fourth otakon Otakon number four we had a lot of Quattro, Quattro Bajina, shout out to all the Gundam fans out there. Um, we were, as of the time of recording, there last weekend. We had a really great time with a lot of, uh, as Demetrius would say, new friends, new faces, first time convention goers. And you know what? How about, guys, how, how does it sound to maybe, maybe do a podcast coming up with some people to talk about how their first experiences were and how our experiences were. Does that sound good? Sounds like a pretty, pretty good time. Pretty good. Uh, real life crossover. Dude. Yeah. Let's get that. Let's get that crossover going. So check that out when it comes out, get ready for that. And also, you know, when it comes to Otakon, if you're interested to see some of the things we did, you can go to our Instagram at backlog bebop, check out our story highlights, see some of the stuff we did from concerts to shopping to even eating. And by the time this podcast is released, you should also be able to go on our Instagram and see some close-ups with information on some collection pieces, on some hall figures and art that we all picked up. So if you have room on your collection shelves, which I do not. Or your closet. Or your closet. Or, <laughs> or your closet, where Saeed has the all of the art on display. I was talking about my onesie. Oh, ooh, oh, oh, the yeah. onesie. Ooh. Ooh. We will have we'll have all of the information of some some of our favorite picks of what we picked up in the description of the pictures. So if you're interested, if you want to find something, check them out. Buy it for yourself. Support the anime industry. And speaking of the anime industry, we haven't put the article up yet. We will have the three shows to watch, three shows to backlog after three episodes going up a little late. Actually, again, should be up. Check it out. But why don't we talk about Demetrius? I know you had a show that you were you were watching. Why don't we start talking about some series that we've been enjoying recently? So an unexpected uh, find via Wes is a good recommendation. Ooh, rare demon? Yeah, of, uh, no, I wouldn't <laughs> say rare. You give me a couple of bad ones, but those are another story for another time. So it's about a boy named Tanjiro and uh some unexpected mm-hmm. tragic events happened to him and it's set 
it's set in a world where it's more of a Japan that's up and coming, becoming more westernized. Yeah, it definitely has kind of like a fantasy old school because I'm watching it as well. I'm actually pretty far behind. I read the manga though, so I was able to discuss a little bit with Demetrius. But yeah, it has that kind of old school Japanese feudal era feel with a splattering of fantasy, like elements of demons and secret sword techniques, uh, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. I actually... And I, the animation is the animation is so clean. I was just about to touch on that because um, Demetrius, as someone that has watched what I'm about to talk to as well, I would go as far to say between the more traditional Shonen Jump series, so I'm not talking about Dr. Stone, I'm not talking about Promise Neverland, both with really good anime adaptations. I would say that Demon Slayer, quality-wise, uh, just stories aside, kind of edges out my hero that Bones has done a really good job with and definitely beats Black Clover as one of the better or one of the best shonen anime adaptations of recent years. Again, just based on quality, story aside. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mostly because even though the animation is uh, dips in a little bit of 3D, it actually mm-hmm. adds to the effect, especially when it's seen from characters walking in the distance and uh, just certain parts of a fight scene. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think Unlimited Blade Works is the animation studio. Or no, oh, so it's UFO Table or oh, UFO Table. Oh, UFO Table, yeah, UFO Table. They did Unlimited Blade Works, right, right, which has like one of the best. Yeah. Uh, they if also guys, did the God Slayer anime too, I'm yeah. pretty sure. If you guys are fans of uh, Fate Stay Night in that series in general, that animation quality and style, that's kind of what uh, Kimetsu no Yaba has. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, for me, a slight spoiler, if you haven't read it already, for our three series that I highly recommend watching. And Saeed, I've been begging him not to spoil anything because he reads the manga. For me, Vinland Saga has been insane. For it's, it's the same animation studio that does Attack on Titan, so it's wit. It is far and away anime of the year for me so far. Basic story. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You're saying, hold on, you're saying that the same studio that does Attack on Titan also does Vinland Saga? Yes. Oh, wow. And oh my goodness, is it good. Uh, without spoiling too much, because stuff does get kind of spoilery really fast, like a couple episodes into it. Pretty much, if you've seen the show Vikings, this is similar to that. It takes place in like Iceland, Greenland, Nordic type of area following a young boy whose father is like this legendary Yom's Viking, which is a strong legendary themselves, I should say, clan of warrior Vikings that went around way, way back in the day. So it just follows him kind of growing up. I really don't want to spoil what happens, uh, even though that sounds super baseline. But if you love action, if you love uh, it's Sainin, right, Saeed? Yeah. Sainin. Yeah. If you. If you like more of the mature feels in a show, mature story beats, really well-written characters. If you're getting tired of shonen tropes and all that stuff, then mm-hmm. Sainin's the way to go. Yep, this this series, it's on Amazon Prime. It is, I would almost say, if you're an Amazon, or if you're not an Amazon Prime subscriber and you love anime, this would almost like, if you don't want to pay for week to week, 
wait until it's done. It's going to be 24 episodes. This alone to me would be worth even just a trial of Amazon prime to binge. Dang. I'm behind on a lot of anime from just personal things that have happened. I'm not behind on Vinland saga. So yeah, Vinland saga, demon slayer, two shows that we've all been kind of enjoying. We've all been reading, watching that type of deal. And they, who knows, they might be on some articles coming out soon. But at the beginning of this podcast, we did promise that it is a bop culture podcast. So if you didn't listen to the first episode, the way this is going to go, the first bop culture episode, the way that this is typically structured is we're going to talk about some video games that we're a fan of because, you know, outside of anime, we dabble in some video games. Just a little dab. Maybe talk about some, just a little dabble. Maybe talk about some tech news because there is some... There is a little bit of tech news and there's one thing I really want to get out there as people start shopping for maybe a new console that is really important to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to move into TV shows because there is one really big Netflix show that a lot of people have watched. I've not finished it, but going to give our impressions on. And movies. The first Bob Culture, we talked about expectations going into Endgame. It's been long enough. We'll give the first one here. So spoiler warning when we get there. We'll give another one. Don't worry. We're going to talk about our end game thoughts and, you know, maybe sprinkle in somewhat. What were we saying? Toy Story 4 and some movies we're anticipating at the end when we have a little bit of time left. So that's the structure of Bob culture going on. And like Saeed said the first time, Demetrius, you want to just want to just bop into it, just bop to it with games you're interested in just, or you've been playing bop. right now. Bop it. Just, just bop it. Just bop twist it. it. Flick it. <laughs> you honestly, that game kind of seemed like a pretty big innuendo, but we're going to keep moving. So, <laughs> Move on. <laughs> moving on. So the first thing that we're going to talk about, of course, for video games, right, it yep. is yep. a game that I got for free, and I know a lot of other people got for free in July. For PS4, they released Detroit Become Human a game that is an interactive drama, something that I was looking at buying, um, they were giving out for free. And I started to play it. Perfect. And Wes, Saeed, I'm telling you guys right now, because I know you both own PS4s. You need to download it if it's if it's still if it's still <laughs> available. I'll dust it off. You should download it. I think it's used too. I think I think you can get it used at GameStop for GameStop. Shout out. Um, for not too much, it might be 20 bucks. So I, I might actually just think about buying it by itself. So you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, kind of, kind of the plot lines or, cause you said interactive drama, but I'm interested in hearing about kind of the way that it rolls out. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's the basic way that it functions. Um, it's about, you follow three different androids. One is named Kara, one is named Marcus, and the other one's name is Connor. And all three of them, are in a world where androids are freely accessible to humans and they serve a purpose. They can go out and buy things for you. They can go get your groceries. Um, They can take care of your home. They can watch your kids. They do so many different things. There's actually even some of them in the military. And uh, it's very interesting. So Connor, one of them, is actually an android designed to solve crimes of deviants. And deviants are androids. Okay. that develop human emotions. So they simulate human emotion. They become human. Hence the title, Detroit Become Human. And uh, 
he's in charge of cases okay. basically going around to go against deviants. The other two androids that you play with are uh, androids that start off in their roles as a caretaker. Um, they were actually both caretakers, and they became deviants through certain events that happened to them. They break through this kind of fourth wall in their programming. And once they break through that fourth wall, they start to simulate human emotions. They want things they want. And that's not something that androids are designed to do. So they're basically fighting against human society, uh, fighting against other androids, mm. fighting against humans uh, in their struggle to just be recognized as a free being. So it's pretty, it's pretty introspective. And even the last shout out that I want to give to the game, which is a really interesting concept that kind of freaks me out a little bit, um, is the main game menu where you can push new game, continue, extras, all that stuff. There's an Android on the front screen that basically says, hi, how are you? Like, and then say, hey, you've been playing for a long time. Do you think we can yeah. be friends? And they give you like a, an option to say yes oh, or so, no. So, so some like meta interactions with this game beyond just the game. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, like I said, it's an interactive drama. So you can pick the choices to make your Android do certain things, the character you're playing with do certain things. And um, at the end of every chapter, there's a flowchart of how many different options you could have influenced or done based on your choices. So it's really cool. I think it has replay value more than a lot of the oh, other yeah. interactive dramas like Heavy Rain or uh, Until Dawn. Games I like think that. I was going to say it sounds a lot like Until Dawn and I think it's actually I'm not sure if Until Dawn was the same people but I think Detroit Become Human was done by the same people as Heavy Rain. It looks very similar. I think there's actually a uh, I think there's a bundle pack you can get. Um, don't quote me on this but I think there is a bundle that comes with Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human if you're a fan of both it of might, them. It might be Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. Ah, uh, okay. It's okay. it's the one with like Jody, not Jody Foster. Um, Ellen Page. <laughs> Ellen oh, Page. Oh yeah. It wasn't it wasn't the best, but it was a kind of fun play. So yeah, interactive story sounds dope. A lot of replayability sounds dope. Get your value, get your money out of a game, especially if you're able to download it in July when it was free on PS Plus. So always keep your eyes on those PS Plus deals because you never know. Every month, every month. Mm-hmm. Every month, I got to dust the old PS4 off and check it out. Mm -hmm. So, um, mind if I move on to a game I've been enjoying for a little bit? Oh, please, go on, Wes. So, I know the last one of these Bob Culture podcasts, I talked about a Switch game in Dragon Ball, or Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission. Everyone that knows me knows I'm a huge Switch fanboy. I love being able to play on the go. I love being able to plug it into my TV. And this latest game is going to be another Switch game. I'm not very far in it yet. But from what I've played, Fire Emblem Three Houses is absolutely insane and is another one of those high replay value games. So to describe it a little bit, if you haven't played a Fire Emblem game before, I think this is in the 20s for them. It's kind of a tactics game. You have a grid in the actual gameplay. There's a grid and you move your units along the grid and you fight oppose an opposing AI that is also moving its units to try to beat you. The change though in Fire Emblem Three Houses and the main reason I want to bring up why I'm so in love with this game right now, even though I haven't hit this point, they've just talked about it in trailers for the game, is the first half 
is very much like a Persona game. Persona 5 was pretty much the reason I bought an old PS4. I love the day-to-day planning out of a character's life, but then not just having a game about that, having other gameplay elements too. And the first part of Fire Emblem Three Houses puts you on a calendar. You essentially start as this mercenary that ends up being a teacher at this academy and the academy is located right in the middle of three different continents and each or not continents countries on this continent and each country sends their heirs or their major noble people to this military academy so that they can kind of learn what each other are about and help foster kind of peace within this country Uh, you start as a mercenary you become an instructor and you end up picking one house to lead kind of like a house in harry potter um or yeah kind of like a house in harry potter so you pick a house to lead and you get put on a a calendar a schedule and you can kind of do whatever you please on that schedule you can go into practice battles you can bond with your students you can give them lessons that will increase their affinity with certain weapons or even change the type of weapons You can see how they're bonding with each other, or you can just explore this really big third-person open-world hub that is this school. But, and again, even though I haven't gotten to that point, like, it's it's really customizable. So you pretty much pick your house, and, like, the main girl of the house I picked, which is the Black Eagle house, her name is Edelgard. You can pick which weapons you want her to use, what skills you want her to have, and you can do it with everyone in your house. The thing that I think is so interesting about this and I've said it a lot in the couple minutes I've talked about it, is that I'm not at this point yet, it's just in the trailers, is that a certain event happens halfway through the game, once the school portion is done, that initiates a time skip in the game, and there's a war between the three houses, and you're aligned with whichever house you picked. So all of your decisions you made while they were kind of younger, in school, with what weapons they use, what affinities they have with each other, what affinities they have with people in other houses, what skills they have, carry over to this time skip where now you're at war with kind of the people that you saw grow, but you didn't have the ability to customize or pick. So all of your choices, you see these people you trained up as kids grow up to adults and are now in a war amongst themselves. It's a really interesting narrative uh, tool that I wasn't expecting out of the game and I was really worried about when I first saw the game. Again, it's a tactics game, so if you don't enjoy like moving units around a board like in chess, you might not enjoy it. But the story alone, I've heard spoiler-free from a lot of people that have gotten pretty far, is amazing. The animation is crazy in the cutscenes. It almost looks like watching an anime at a lot of points. And just like Detroit Become Human, your choices matter. Fire Emblem has permadeath if you choose to play that way. So characters that die in battle will be permanently dead for your playthrough. And just seeing your, seeing your decisions play out. I'm excited to see how my decisions play out in the later game. So, so do you play with permadeath? Okay. So, um, I mean, I'm just asking. So for my first playthrough, I'm not playing with permadeath because I kind of want to enjoy the story from that angle of the house that I picked. I want to see how all the characters play out. I want to see how the story plays out with all of the characters there. But kind of like Detroit on the replayability thing, 
I've heard each house is about 70 to 80 hours of gameplay. And each house is also, it adds enough difference in the way that the characters interact with each other and are written and the events you see from different angles to go back and play every different house. So my first playthrough, I'm not playing. I'm playing in casual mode. I just want to see how everything goes. My second playthrough, when I pick a different house, I think one is the blue lions. I might pick that one. Um, when I pick a different house, then I'll play with permadeath. Then I'll have the real hardcore fire emblem experience. So if you have a switch and you're into tactics games and you have a lot of time to sink into a game, this seems like so far for me personally, one of those games that I'm just going to get lost in. So, mm -hmm. and that kind of this being on switch, um, it rolls into one piece of news one announcement I wanted to give out and it's that quick announcement because Saeed, I know we were talking about it earlier and you said, Oh, I'm glad I waited. Right. For sure. If you don't have a switch and you're interested in playing games like super smash brothers or Demetrius, you loved super Mario odyssey. I do guilty pleasure. Legend of Zelda breath of the wild or what I just said, fire emblem. If you're looking to buy a switch, they're starting to roll out a quote-unquote brand new model in stores that you'll be able to identify by an all-red box instead of a box that has kind of red on the sides but white. So if you can, buy this Switch that's in an all-red box because, yes, there is the Switch Lite coming out soon that is handheld only, and it's $200. And, yes, the basic Switch in the white box is still there for $300, but this new red box Switch is still only going to be $300, but it uses a new processor that I think the original, like the regular switch, the very first launch switch gets two and a half to five hours of battery life in handheld mode. Whereas the new switch and the switch Lite, I think they have listed at three and a half to seven, but this quote unquote, again, new red box switch, which costs the same as the old switch has a listed battery life of four and a half to nine Ooh. hours. So if you, if you, are thinking that handheld mode is going to be a big thing that you use. I've been playing a lot in handheld mode recently and you want to have the ability to put it into a dock and have it be on TV. You, you don't mind paying the extra $100 over the switch light to be able to play your games on the TV. Let me, let me ask, look for us. Does this switch have a name or is it just be uh, sold as like just the same old switch? Yeah, it's just being sold as the same old Switch, which is why I really wanted to make this announcement. They kind of low-key dropped it on their website. If you go to look at the specs of different Switches, it has its own serial number uh, denotation. But other than that, if you go to a store and you go to the Nintendo Switch section, you're going to see some Switches in white boxes and some Switches in red boxes. They're both going to say Nintendo Switch. They're both going to cost the same. They're both going to cost the same. Once the white box switches are sold out, you're not going to be able to get them anymore. But if you have the option, buy the red box switch, even if you don't plan on playing handheld mode a lot or go out to try to find it just because being a guy that plays a switch a lot, going from two and a half to five hours of battery life to four and a half to nine hours of battery huge life difference. is a huge, huge difference. Uh, it's made me maybe, and also because it's more efficient with that, I've actually seen videos from certain YouTubers comparing games like Doom and Legend of Zelda, games that 
lag kind of heavily where they've had more stable frame rates because of the new chips that's in there. So it, it would almost be, it's, it's almost enticing me to go out and to trade my switch in just because I know I want to play handheld mode for a long time. And I know that two and a half to five hours going from that to four and a half to nine hours is just, it's massive. It's even more than the switch light, which again is only handheld. So if you're in the market for a switch, make sure you buy the one in the red box. So yeah, buy the red box one. That's my, that's my switch announcement. Uh, Before we move on to TV though, before we move on to some stranger topics, some stranger things, Demetrius, there was one more game you said that you were enjoying, right? And it's another PlayStation 4 exclusive. Yeah, but after we talk about all that stuff on the Switch, I just want to call it something like the Switch Halo because it ascends Ooh, or something. So good. But anyway, uh, I've been enjoying my time with God of War 4 and or God of War, whatever you want to really call it. But this PS4 game is a AAA blockbuster that really just kind of puts Kratos in a new adventure in Norse mythology. And after all the jokes of like, okay, what are we going to do now? Are we going to, are we going to kill other gods? Yeah, actually we're, we're going to do that. And I was surprised and I'm still surprised because I haven't beat it yet. How mature this game is for having a kid in it. Um, a lot of us that were younger playing God of War, and just liking to play it because of the violence, seeing Kratos being super strong, all of those elements. A little bit of lewd stuff, but after seeing all that and then putting Kratos as a father figure, uh, it's it's really humbling. It's a really, really cool narrative. And the side characters are really enjoyable. I was surprised with how much I enjoy um, the side commentary, the interactions. And um, really just comes to show that Kratos, mm. even though it's been however long in-game, he's there's still tricks for this old dog, and he's still as powerful as ever. It's good to see a new spin on an old character. Definitely. And I will say, I will add to what Dimitri said for all you listeners that maybe have just gotten a PS4. This is actually an older game. It came out... Um, came out was it, was it 2018 like, yeah 2018 beginning of 2018 um i know i think it was 2018 because to add to everything that demetrius was saying about how good this game is i haven't beaten it yet either but i have played a good amount of it to add to everything he said it won game of the year last year <laughs> over yeah, games uh, like <sighs> yeah it beat games like red dead redemption 2 which i know a lot of people loved it it has the credibility I yet either oh. <laughs> There's a lot of, I mean, to be expected, dude, we just what? We just dabble in games a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We, just, we, just, just, we just a little dabble. We just dabble. But God of War, mm, God of War and the combat, it seems so simple, but it quickly gets complicated and complex and just, it's really satisfying. It's just, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. The thunk you get, the thunk you get when you, because for people that haven't played God of War or that maybe haven't played the new one, but played the old ones instead of the the two chain blades he had before he has this axe called the leviathan axe and you can throw it and you can recall it and there's just a satisfying thunk when you recall it and he catches it and the controller vibrates a little bit and has this sound to it oh it's a very visceral game oh yeah feels good man and i mean there's there's a lot to be said about 
the Blades of Chaos because I do like those too. Um, but I would say that the Leviathan Axe is a very good addition. Yeah, and my even though again I haven't beaten it, my super money spending tendencies at Otakon they had a official prop replica Leviathan Axe. I didn't look how much it was. I didn't ask how much it was, but there was the moment in my mind where I was like, maybe I look into getting this. <laughs> maybe. 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 But then just drop another hundred fifty dollars. Oh my goodness! No, <laughs> yo, <laughs> boom. But that is our video game section. God of War, sick game, really legacy game. You could probably get it cheap used. Mm-hmm. Same with Detroit. Same with Detroit Become Human with a lot of replayability. And then Fire Emblem Three Houses, you're not going to find it for cheap. It just came out. But if you have a Switch, really sick. If you don't have a Switch, buy the Redbox one. With that, Saeed and Demetrius, I'm going to pass this to you because I haven't. Similar to... What was it? Love, Death, and Robots last time? Similar to Love, Death, and Robots, I have not finished this. So I'm going to hand, be handing the mic over to you guys to talk about Stranger Things Season 3. So for those of you not familiar, uh, Stranger Things is a Netflix exclusive series. Uh, yes, it's on its third season. Or third season was, was released on July 4th of this past year. And my overall thoughts, I liked it a lot. I think it was much better than yeah. uh, season two. And I might have liked it more than season one, but I have to rewatch season okay. one to confirm. Um, and it's interesting you say that, Saeed, because I think, I think this season, among reviews, has one of the highest ratings among all three. And for my personal take, I think, I think it is my favorite. Wow. And I think, I think it has to do a lot with the character interactions okay. and yeah the because the way they the way structured this season was every season is For different sure. but this season was a lot more you, you would say split but also combined at the same time wow wow yeah yeah there's a big cast of characters in in yeah there's a big cast of characters in stranger things so mm. balancing them is kind of tough mm-hmm. but since they did split it that was an easier way for us to focus on a select few so we, like everybody could kind of shine instead of having mm-hmm. everybody all in one place. Because I know some people were saying that was one complaint they had for uh, like they felt like it was a little bit too split up. But I felt like because of that split up, we got more things from individual characters. And that also adds into the effect of how the season ended. No spoilers to Wes, no spoilers to anybody else. but. Yeah, please, but as please no, please no. It kind of just makes sense, and it feeds into how everything culminates in the end. Yeah, and the acting in what is has been as good as it has ever been. I think it, this was the best acted season from everybody too. Yeah, yeah, they're all definitely, they all are uh, definitely improving and growing in their roles. Of course, those uh, special effects have been getting better since season one. So definitely, definitely good to see. Excellent, excellent. I will say I don't have a lot to add to this section, but I'm going to segue real quick back to the video game section and say that Stranger Things Season 3 has a companion video game that you can download. I know it's on the Switch. I don't know if it's anything else, but you can play through the events of Stranger Things Season 3 in an old school, like, 80s era beat-em-up type of game. 
I haven't played it what? because I don't want to spoil the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it hasn't been getting the best reviews because they say it's a little stale in gameplay. Because again, it's an old school beat 'em up. Like one button is punch and one button is like special ability, and you walk around. But you go through the events of season three, or yeah, season three of Stranger Things. So I just thought I'd add that out there that there is also a video game if you love Stranger Things season three as much as these guys have said they do, and maybe I'll look into it after I finish the season because sometimes it hurts to finish a show uh, you know, you, like yeah. and have to wait need, wait a while. Finish things, Wes. You need to finish some things, dog. Oh my god. Well, for the people that the people, because oh, yeah. I think what last Bob Culture we talked about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> And I hadn't finished it. Update: I still haven't finished it. <laughs> I had Demetrius tell but me I told the, him the whole story <laughs> because I just don't have time. I don't have time. I I have seventy hours of Fire Emblem left, and I have to finish Stranger Things season three. This is getting longer. The uh, backlog continues, huh? The backlog continues to grow. But there is something. If do you guys have anything else to say on Stranger Things, or or can I do this little segue I had planned out? Real quick, based off his no, nah, I think I think we got everything. Unless, uh, oh, yeah. no, that's good. Oh, all right. So moving on to the movies, there is one thing I have finished, and that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe up through this stage. So, spoiler alerts again. We said it in the beginning. I've been looking forward to talking about this for a while. We will be talking about Avengers Endgame. We will be talking about our thoughts right now. Movie's been out for a while. Congratulations to becoming the number one top grossing movie in the world, beating out James Cameron's Avatar. Disney beating. We got the spoilers. Disney beating Disney. Dude, D- Disney, they're they're pleased. They've made more than their money back in buying Marvel. It's been a while. Yeah, it's like Disney is Disney's over there clapping hands with themselves right now. It's been a while since the movie came out, so we hope that not a lot of you guys are offended by the fact that we're going to be spoil- giving spoilers. I know people were upset that Tom Holland spoiled that I'll say it once we get into the spoiler section, Tom Holland spoiled that something happened on the homecoming thing on the homecoming media docket months after Endgame had already been out. So please don't be mad. This is your last chance. Check the show notes to skip ahead to the next part, because right now we're talking about Endgame and we're talking about how Tony Stark died. Let's start off with that team. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Just rip the bandaid off. That was that was that was that was really snappy, dude. We gotta we gotta go for it. We gotta go for it. Dude, that was uh, it was a worthy death. That I I think that's the best way. Yeah, I think it's the best way to describe it because Tony Stark can't just go out like like nothing. It can't just be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't be a unspecified JoJo part three. Death, but it it can be. It had to be impactful. It had to be powerful. And it had to be something that was strong enough for Iron Man. Yeah. The fact that his last words, too, when he, outside of the little hologram he had left, right when he goes yeah. to do that snap and he says, I am Iron Man. Yeah. And that's pretty much what started the whole cinematic universe off. I was sitting in the theater with Saeed. Dude, I got emotional. I felt proud yeah. that I had witnessed this whole character arc. Yeah. I know I know a lot of people, though. I would like to hear your thoughts. A lot of people are mad that no. Iron Man died. <laughs> I like dying. Oh my gosh. Um, Whoa. Sorry, we're going to have to talk. I like death. <laughs> I like death when it comes to stories, when characters die, and it, it, it's impactful and you feel emotional. I feel like stories are meant to move you. So I like that. Yeah, I thought it was a good 
I thought it was a good culmination to his character arc going from kind of the selfish billionaire, genius playboy philanthropist, whatever he said in the first Avengers, to giving the ultimate sacrifice for everybody else. Um, Passing the torch on. Yeah, he definitely grew the most um, in terms of his character, especially among the Avengers. His character arc changed the most. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He Robert Downey Jr. did a great job. I can't see Iron Man as anyone but him throwing it again back to the video game section because, you know, I dabble a little bit when they showed the Marvel Avengers game and it wasn't Robert Downey Jr.'s face. It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right to me. Avengers, this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe has had such an impact on all of us. How it took out two of the major players. So you took out Mm -hmm. Iron Man. And then you also took out Captain America. So who's going to be the new Iron Man? And now you have Captain Falcon, Captain America. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, Captain <laughs> Cap- Captain Falcon. Punch. Uh, I think, yeah, in the comics it happened, he was just Captain America. But I th- having him as Captain America, I think, opens up a lot of doors for story stuff. Is he going to be confident? Is he going to be unsure? Are people going to respect him the same way? Uh, At the same time, you have who is going to be the next Iron Man, which I'm going to ask right now, Demetrius. Did you see Spider-Man? Don't say anything. Please don't say anything. No. So we won't spoil anything. We won't spoil anything, but there still are a lot of questions about like who's the next Iron Man, who's the next Captain America, who's going to fill those shoes from Endgame. Real quick, Uh, I saw a really funny meme about the scene where Captain is giving his shield um, to Falcon, and he said. Or Falcon replies and says, you know, this feels like someone else's. And Cap says, that's because it is. Give it to Bucky for me, would you? Oh, <laughs> yo. Wouldn't that have been something, dude? That's, that's what people were expecting. Mm-hmm. The expectation was for Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Bucky, to get the yeah. shield. But uh, he gave it to Falcon. Yeah. So there's a lot of, I'm really interested to see, especially after Comic-Con, where they announced all the new Marvel movies. Was it Thor, Thor, Love and Thunder, Phase Four? Yeah, you got, you got the new Thor. Love and Thunder kind of sounds like a Tropic Thunder sequel, bro. <laughs> I wish Tropic Thunder. Was Robert Downey Jr. was in he that was. too. He was. Oh yeah, he was. Oh yeah. The <laughs> Avengers isn't the ultimate crossover. Tropic it's Thunder. it's Tropic Thunder in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. With Tom Cruise's magnificent performance. Oh, oh my god. Oh man, but yeah, they've they've announced so many new ones. Blade is coming back. I'm just interested to see Shang Chi. Dude, Shang Chi. Yep. My my boy Simu Liu. Mm-hmm. Shang Chi. Yep. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, did you guys have any favorite moments from oh, Endgame yeah. since we've gotten the big, of course. the big one out of the way? Yeah. The the my favorite moment by far is probably my favorite moment. Maybe at least top two or top three in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is the Avengers Assemble thing. When everybody came through the portal. Yeah, that was... Captain ooh. America was like, Avengers? And Mjolnir came to him. Assemble. Mm-hmm. Speaking... Oh, and then when Mjolnir first came to Captain America. <laughs> so excited. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, that, was, that was a that cool was throwback I was, I was, to him almost mm-hmm. lifting it in my least favorite Avengers movie, Age of Ultron. Yeah, and then and then uh, Thor was like, "I knew it," and I was like, "Yes, mm-hmm. yes, <sighs> so yo the cool. the that was, what was it that whole the whole act three of Endgame was like 
perfection. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say one of my favorite moments, I would say one of my favorite moments building off of that was after they had Professor Hulk do the snap to undo the first snap from Thanos when he brought everyone back. Yeah. And Ant-Man is looking out and there are the birds going and he's like, oh, wow, the day is like so much nicer. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wow, they did it. They they un, they they undid the snap. And I was like, wow, I wonder what's going to happen next in the story. And then you just see all the missiles rain down Come and on. blow it up and start this huge battle sequence. And like the horror movie aspect of Bucky, I think it was Bucky running through the sewers or no, who was it? It wasn't Bucky. It was uh, um, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, of Hawkeye yeah. running through the sewers with all of the Chitari creatures chasing him. I was like, this is, it is hard core like it turned into almost the same war movie type of vibes that the end of infinity mm-hmm. war had when everyone died it had that to me it had that impact where no one was safe anymore even though they had just achieved their big goal i loved it i loved every second of that yeah that was extremely crazy especially with how it just flipped everything on on its head it was insane dude people in the theater were like whoa when it happened no one saw it coming out of nowhere the RKO, RKO out of nowhere. nowhere. I thought Ant Man was dead. <laughs> but yeah, it was overall it was Oh man. It was a really, really well done, really good end to the story. And you know, we're not even gonna ask questions about how Cat turned all the infinity stones, but you know, it was mm-hmm. there there were some there were some plot points that could have been cleaned up a little and actually a hot take that I'm not sure how you feel about it, Demetrius. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. But Saeed and I talk about it. Uh, to quote one of our reviews, leave a review on Apple Podcasts for us. Saeed with the take hotter than the fireball jutsu. Uh-huh. Infinity War versus Endgame, Saeed. Yeah, Infinity War for me. Ooh. I feel like Infinity War from start to finish was a more entertaining movie. Even though I know why this was more slow-paced in the beginning because of the somber note we were left on from Infinity War. But to me, Infinity War, its pacing kept me more engaged. And I, the action set pieces, minus, for me, were more entertaining, minus what I just said was my favorite part about the MCU with the whole um, Avengers Assemble scene. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, and because I'm a big fan of villains, uh, Infinity War felt like it was a movie about Thanos. Yeah. And it focused on him, and we saw his character grow throughout the movie. We found out more about his character. And in the end of Infinity War, the bad guy won. Or the quote-unquote bad guy to the our good guys. Because people can see it as Thanos was the good guy. Because Griffith did nothing wrong. Yeah, Griffith did nothing wrong. <laughs> Thanos did nothing wrong. It's, the, it's that kind of thing. But I like the way Infinity War ended a lot. Because I, like, I don't know why. I might be messed up in the head. I might need to go to see a therapist or something. <laughs> but I like sad endings. Oh man. I really do like sad endings. And the way it ended with the music playing as he was sitting on his farm looking off to the sunset. I was like, this is so good. But yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, so that's your opinion. Um <laughs> so Ooh. to me, Endgame represented everything that I like in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um it wasn't really about death. Even though we were left on a somber note, we had a feeling mm-hmm. of hope the movie gave a lot of feelings for hope um for doing the impossible and there was quite a bit 
I feel like Infinity War was trying to balance so many characters. It kind of did a disservice um, to a lot of the characters that we saw in the past. And yeah. Infinity War, or not right. Infinity War, Endgame actually gave uh, opportunities for more characters to shine and give you a bigger focus on the original Avengers team. Um, so in the end, it gave it was a good culmination of all of the factors that I liked and seeing the uh, blessing of Cap, as you would say, maybe. Yeah. With the Avengers Assemble. Yeah, so I would say that for me, I, I did say in the beginning when I introduced that question that I'm kind of with Saeed on it. I would, more so than being with Saeed on that I liked Infinity War better, I'm kind of torn between the two because I feel like each is such a different movie. Going into Infinity War, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know who was going to die. I didn't know how they were going to die, what Thanos was going to do, how some of the characters would interact with each other. So Infinity War for me was such an enjoyable experience because I went in without knowing what was going to happen. And I went in, I knew there was going to be a sequel, but at the same time, there was so much shock to the movie for me. And I I normally hate those kind of somber, sad endings. It did strike a chord with me where I was like, wow, they really went there. But then I go to Endgame, and again, like Dimitri said, the culmination of all the people fighting together, getting that blessing from Cap, the progression of seeing them all work through different moments of the MCU, it really kind of brought me through. Yeah, it brought me through X amount of years of me watching these movies. Which is a, a plus and a minus because I, I saw a headline. I can't remember who, what source put it out. They said Endgame's biggest strength, but also its biggest weakness was that it catered to fans of the MCU and it didn't care about the casual moviegoer. Um, which, again, it's not like that's a bad thing. I feel like, though, if I put Infinity War in front of someone and had them watch that alone and then had put Endgame in front of someone that hadn't seen any other movie and had them watch that alone, Infinity War might be the more fun movie. But it's, again, purposefully because Endgame is the perfect sequel movie, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect ending, the perfect sequel. Like, it's hard to judge it on its own as a movie because it has so much that it builds off of every other movie. So that's... That's why I'm torn. Like in my mind, I'm saying Infinity War as a standalone movie, I could see being the more enjoyable experience in Endgame. But Endgame, just wrapping it up for the fans and actually having a movie put out there by a company that is so targeted at just the fans and wrapping up something for the fans, it's it's tough. It's tough. Both are top tier movies, though. I think we can all agree. For sure. And one thing you brought up that I think the reason why I like. Infinity War better was uh, my first experience watching Infinity War. Like you said, I had no idea what I was going to get into. And, like, after the movie ended, I was just, like, in shock. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that sh- shocked feeling. I was like, what's going to happen next? But the thing about Endgame, too, that I, I guess I knew at the end end of the day, the good guys were going to win. Yeah. That was my assumption going into Endgame, so I was like, Infinity War, I had no idea what was going to happen on my initial watch, but Endgame on my initial watch, I was like, they're going to win, but how are they going to win? Yeah, like the deaths in Endgame, they were still like, again, the noble death of Tony Stark, yeah. 
Captain America just kind of aging out, the death of Black Widow. Like there were some shocking moments, but Endgame wasn't, it was a little more predictable. Not that that's a bad thing. I loved seeing everything right. go down, right. which is again right. why I'm kind of, I'd, I'd say I'm in between you guys. We got the full spectrum here of it. Uh, the full spectrum. Also, both are in my top. They're probably in my top five. Yes, Endgame. Uh, like you guys mentioned, Endgame or Endgame. Infinity War mm-hmm. definitely had the best and strongest shock value in terms of how it did it. It did it very well theatrically. However, even with that, I can say that I didn't like it. I respect it, but I didn't like it. Um, if it was up to yeah. me and I knew it was going to have some kind of ending, I knew there was going to be death. But it, had I known it was going to be so um, powerful, I might have just waited a year or waited till it came out on Blu-ray or DVD mm-hmm. to watch it rather than go to the theater and be shocked in my yeah. seat. So those are our end game thoughts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Those those are Black Panther was great. I don't care what anybody says. Black dude, dude. Black. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There were there were like the fact that we knew some sequel movies were gonna come out that did kind of detract from Endgame a little bit for me. But seeing them all pop up, finally seeing Black Panther oh, like not be as nerfed was dope. Mm-hmm. And the question, like the choreography in the final the question fight, becomes now. Now that they've done the snap, who did they bring back to life? Is that Ooh, possible that some people actually like who else? that were previously dead kill they be back? Ooh, I didn't even think of that, but question for another day, team. Let's clear this up. Let's finish this up. Welcome back to the people that skipped over our spoiler talk. Hopefully not many of you. Right now we're going to talk about some spoiler-free movies that we might have seen real quick and movies we're looking forward to. Demetrius, I know you got one that you like a lot. So, Toy Story 4. Toy Story mm. 4 follows Woody and the toys, mm. Woody, Buzz, and the toys after the events of Toy Story 3 where Andy went to college, and it really goes into depth about what they're up to now and what their character motivations are, what their uh, inner voice says. And it's interesting because it goes into toys calling other toys on their actions versus what they're actually motivated by. So yeah, what their actions are versus what they say they're doing are completely different. Um, and overall, I think the villain was well-shaped. I thought it was a really, really good villain. I can't go into too many details uh, without spoiling things. But overall, it was a villain uh, that fit well into the story. And I think how it ended and how it brought everything together, um, it was just a fun ride. I love the villain a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know know that Mm -hmm. there was some controversy, not controversy, but a lot of people were split on whether or not they liked the ending. I loved it. I thought it was a great, great way to wrap up some character arcs. I'm trying to stay super vague. Um, it had a really, really nice moment, a really nice moment. Um, it wasn't, it it wasn't, it didn't hit me with the feels the same way that Toy Story 3 did, but at the same time, it hit me with a different set of emotions. It's, it, it, like Demetrius was saying, it has a, a message unlike other, a message and characters unlike other Toy Story movies, 
but don't let that deter you from seeing it because it still has the emotional charge. And it's especially as someone that's grown up with Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, 2, and now Toy Story 4, it it felt like it was really made for people that have grown up with the franchise, especially as you see the evolution of themes from 1 through 4. So, yeah. Yeah, and on that note of themes, uh, one could say that Toy Story 1 is about finding what you are and who you mm-hmm. are, and then Toy Story 2 is about who you are and where you came from. Toy Story 3 is uh, finding your new path, your next path in life, uh, whether it's college or otherwise. And then Toy Story 4, without spoiling anything, Toy Story 4 is about finding what makes you happy. Yep. Your purpose. Mm-hmm. Your calling. So... Which is great because it's told through the eyes of toys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, amazing. But yeah, Toy Story 4, go see it. If you haven't seen it, let us know if yeah, you go, enjoyed go, go it. See that. Go see that one, Saeed. Tell me, tell me what you think about that one. Yeah. So we can get into uh, another <laughs> argument. Yo, it's, it's, it's not argument. It's, it's the good old discussion. <laughs> it's a discussion. It's a discussion. Nothing like the AI arguments. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on the AI. Oh, Demi... Let me tell you, for the people out there, because we've, we've had some conversations about how the extent to which AI will rule the world. On the way back from Otakon, there was a little discussion about self-driving. And let me tell you, I made a bet with one of our friends. What, what, what year was it, Saeed? 2050? 2045. 2045. One of our buddies bet me. I, I put 50 bucks that he was wrong. He bet me by that by 2045. And Demetrius, know. you know which buddy this is. <laughs> he bet me that by 2045, every car on the road will be a self-driving car and that people will not own their own vehicles. It's only 20 years. People will not own their own vehicles? Okay, I'm not sure I agree with that piece. <laughs> but every car in 2045, you heard it here, folks, according to our other buddy, hopefully I'm $50 cheaper, add inflation to it uh, in a few years. <laughs> or $50 more more rich. Um, in 2045, everyone will have use of self-driving cars and people probably majority he said majority That's of people will not own their own cars so yeah. look forward to the future future and on the topic of future Saeed, what movie are you looking forward to coming out very that much segue. looking forward to yes very much looking forward to it chapter 2 releasing in theater september 5th not sponsored not sponsored but if you want to sponsor me Stephen King Please do. <laughs> Please do. I know you watch. So. I loved It Chapter 1 a lot. I think I watched it like three times in the theater. So you want to. Horror movies are like my favorite genre when they're done right. Mm-hmm. Horror movies are like my thing. I like getting scared. Hey, you gotta. You gotta hit him with that. Hey, boy. Hey boy. Oh, yeah. It Chapter 2 looks really here. nice. Yeah. All the. <clears throat> um, the older versions of the kids are very prominent actors. So I'm looking forward to it. Stephen King tweeted out, yeah, Stephen King tweeted out that the adaptation is really good and he enjoys it. But on the other hand, Ooh. Stephen King also said he didn't like the adaptation of The Shining, and The Shining is one of my favorite yep. movies of all time, too. Dude, so, I love how Mustafa Ali too. plays the one kid. The dude from the Old Spice commercials is in it. He's he's one of the main Oh, guys. that's him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only black guy in the movie. Yep, he's like, look at me. Look back at your clown. Now look back at me. Now look at the clown. 
Yeah, Mustafa wow. Ali is a grown-up version of the Black Kid in It Chapter 2. So I hope they work in some sort of Old Spice reference. I hope they do. Put him on a horse, put him in a bathrobe, put him with some gems or something, have him say some word. Yo, I'm... Pennywise put on deodorant one scene, please. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> what is it with you and deodorant? <laughs> People at conventions wear deodorant. Otakon is done. Oh, yeah. Wear deodorant. Still, wear deodorant. <laughs> but, alright, team. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to Bob Culture. We hope you. One. It was a lengthy one, but you know what? We had a lot to say. It's been a little mm-hmm. bit since we've put one of these out. We're about to get more consistent with releases again as we've all finished up some certain family events or personal events. Um, I mean, shout out, shout out to my dog, Nobu. I just got a puppy. So that might impede a little bit of reviews, but for the most part, summer has gone a little, a little flat for us outside of a few events. We thank you all for sticking with us. We thank you all for following us on Instagram, for listening to these podcasts because we've been getting good numbers despite a little more inconsistencies your understanding means the world to us. Your viewership and you just listening means a lot to this group of friends. We love we, you. We, 3, we love you 3,000. Oh, what better way? What better way to end out on that? Saeed. Oh, actually, Saeed, there is a way to, a better way to, to end on than I love you 3,000. So why don't you, why don't you hit them with that? To be continued? To be continued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be Bob, don't stop. Peace. But I wasn't wrong, I was mine.